then. We are back for another edition of Spandex Planet. I am your host, your, I guess, host with the most, or currently your host with the least, uh, or something. I mean, I'm uh, doing a podcast in regards to professional wrestling and a professional wrestling career that I no longer have, so I guess I'd be the host with the least. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, welcome back. Thanks for checking it out this week. Um, things are plugging along. I think, um, when we stay on the topic of, uh, the superstar shakeup, you know, I think that's one of those things where it's tough to see any sort of benefit, you know, for a while, really. Um, and, and I'm currently not really seeing it. I think that the AJ Seth stuff is awesome. And, you know, honestly, I think that the the Raw stuff is probably the uh, the best stuff right now. Um, SmackDown just hasn't been doing it. I'm not sure. Maybe just a couple weird weeks. But I've uh, been enjoying Raw. been enjoying Bray Wyatt's promos. The... Uh, Firefly Funhouse, I suppose is what it's called. And uh, I think that that's an interesting take on the character. I, I frankly, I'm not really 100% sure where they are going to go with that. But um, I do think that, you know, it, it's a cool idea. It's different. It's unique. And if anyone can pull it off, it's probably him. Um, he's proven in the past that he's great um, with stuff like that. So, um Pretty, pretty exciting, cool stuff going on with that. Um, I think on the figure front, uh, I do collect here and there when things uh, stick out to me. I recently went to a local like retro toy store. They carry a lot of Marvel stuff and a lot of non-wrestling related stuff like star wars stuff things like that and uh i was able to find a small wrestling section and they had a ton of the uh like jacks wwf backlash uh wrestlemania and survivor series like almost like full sets uh, with those terrible face scans and everyone has pretty much the same bodies but super nostalgic for me so was cool. Picked up a couple of a couple of things. I think I grabbed a. Um, they were super cheap, so I, I ended up grabbing a an edge, um, a test, and maybe a road dog. Yeah, I think I got a road dog and an X Pac also. Uh, and then they also had like a SmackDown set from like probably around 2000, and I got a Crash Holly and a Triple H. Um, cause those are really cool. I actually keep those in the packaging just cause I think more than the figures, like the packaging is more, um, appealing to me and more nostalgic. Um, it's like when you hear the, the original SmackDown theme or see that, that, that video that hits me with like a ton of nostalgia. So the packaging on the, the SmackDown set is super uh, nostalgic and just cool for me. I also, you know, do tend to dabble in some of the, the, you know, more retro figures, for example, there was a red card Lex Luger uh, Hasbro, and so I'm not sure what series it is. I'm not like that deep into it, but it was super cool. It was only like forty bucks. Uh, I checked eBay, and eBay it sits between that and you know like a hundred. So 
seemed like a good buy for for me and it was all it's an it's moc as they say mint on card it's great condition so i picked that up also um and then i I do obviously enjoy Mattel just because as far as detail and things like that, it certainly has the best, the most detail and and the best look. Uh, I don't collect a lot of the newer stuff, but if there's like a really cool one that sticks out or it's rare and I see it, I'll usually grab it. Um, I ended up grabbing uh, a Triple H, um, like WrestleMania 35 set he's wearing the attire the purple trunks from wrestlemania 19 um so that was really cool um and i also ended up getting i found a kurt hawkins uh elite series 64 and it's actually the kurt hawkins chase figure um and so he's wearing the black versus the blue and orange and uh that was pretty cool and i know that the chase is a little bit harder to find so i i picked that one up also so um that was kind of my like uh i guess guilty pleasure purchase um for the week and uh it was really cool i really enjoy looking for for figures it's one of those things like i've just always had them and i think uh, maybe my degree of obsession isn't quite the same as some other like really serious collectors but i really do enjoy collecting them i think it's a lot of it is just some nostalgia because obviously um as a a young a young man i always had the those figures they were kind of my thing um and I, I had so many of them and so i think it just kind of brings me back to have them now i have a cool like display set up with all of them and the collection grows very slowly over time it's not a constant change but it certainly does grow um doing this podcast has really like showed me that there are certain words that are in my vocabulary when I speak for a long time that I never noticed before. One of them is obviously, and I, I use that as like a filler transition word I noticed and I don't know why I do that. And then another one is certainly. And I think maybe subconsciously, I feel like maybe I sound smarter when I say certainly, but I do say it a lot and I never really knew that about myself. So that was a pretty cool thing, I guess, to, to learn when listening back to these. I also think that the audio, I don't have like a real crazy setup. I de- definitely put money into it, but it wasn't like, I didn't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this. And I think sometimes uh, the audio, I'm just getting used to really getting used to like this mic and like knowing where to place my face and where to talk. I have a pop filter on uh, like over my mic which is it's in theory supposed to help with the the p's um when you're in your natural voice and i think it sticks out a little bit and maybe i don't know i mean i thought i was getting too close and then i was too far away it's really uh cool kind of learning how to do all this kind of stuff um it's a lot harder i think than people realize you have to put you have to really do a lot of research and and test a lot of stuff out and it's a lot of trial and error, but, uh, I'm learning a lot and it's pretty cool. Um, to transition here, I think getting off the, the figure train as we kind of did, uh, my brain works like that. A lot of ADD. Um, this week, I think, you know, last week I, I talked about my childhood and a lot of like backyard wrestling stuff and my love and interest for that. Um, I also, uh, 
kind of dove into like character and stuff like that. And I've done that previously um, with what my characters were as I, as I went professional. And I think maybe I'll keep in this kind of time frame um, around the time when I stopped uh, being a yarder um, and started uh, more so you know, working on being an actual professional. So I was still living um, across the country in California. And, um, you know, last episode I was discussing how I used to go out and like uh, backyard wrestle with like Mike and uh, Zach and, and all those guys. And we would go to shows and see some of the local talent and gauge whether or not we knew we could do this or not. And then we would would have our little shows uh like in the yard with no audience and then i'd go back home and that's kind of how it would go so finally one year we were old enough where um mike went to a show kind of got in touch with the with the promoter and we actually knew a kid who went to mike's high school i think and ended up going uh through training um and and uh you know was our professional wrestler. He's around our age. He still wrestles to this day. His name's Nick Iggy. So he's like a, uh, uh, he, his, his thing now is as him and his tag partner, Carrie awful are the carnies. Um, and I don't know if they're a tag team anymore, but Nick is like the ringmaster. Um, when he started out, he did a, like a, a little kid type of gimmick well i mean he would come out with a sign like he was like his gimmick was that he had a sign and then he turned into like a little kid and his tag partner was like his dog and um they've been around a minute on that scene so he was the one that we like kind of knew and he either went to mikey's high school or like maybe his his like ex-girlfriend's high school um either way it was someone close to us that we had actually seen go through the process and get trained and like man it was uh it was crazy to see so finally um one of the places Mike wrestled was USWO got in contact with LT Falk, who um, was the booker at that point. Um, Tony Falk, who was the promoter um, that was his son and he ran classes, uh, wrestling training. So, um, Mike, man, he's signed up and, uh, just started training, man. And then I ended up coming out there one summer um, and, uh, taking a class, uh, with LT, Mike, Zach, and a couple other dudes. And, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. We, he, we did a lot of like rolls and like taking bumps and it was cool to be in a re- like a real pro ring for honestly the first time. And LT was very accommodating and cool. And like really gave us some good tips and tricks and things, uh, to do. And it really solidified that, Hey, I can totally do this. I was definitely out of shape. We trained for hours. Um, after that, you know, I went back home to California. Mike kept training, and eventually he was working shows. Um, and uh, a lot of tag team stuff. Ended up actually tagging with Nick a little bit, which is is ironic I, in a way. And um, it was, I mean, it was pretty cool. And then finally, um, I had just kind of saved up money. I was dating a girl at this point who you know, I could have left and it wouldn't have been painful to me. And I just pretty much was like, Hey, I am moving across the country. I'm 18. I have no school. I have no like real job. I don't, you know, I have nothing holding me back. So I want to, uh, move across the country and go to training and I want to wrestle. And, and, you know, Mikey's parents were 
more than accommodating because looking back, I think if it were me, I, I don't know if I could deal with letting my kids, I don't have kids now, but if I did, you know, letting their friend like move in and really like live with us and just be a part of our life. But not only just me, but my girlfriend who they had never met, like, obviously they knew me like very well. Like Mikey and I were, were like brothers when we were younger. So, you know, they, they spent time with me. They knew me as a person. They did not know the girl I was with. And they just still let us in and welcomed us in, gave us a room, really, really cheap rent. The agreement was, you know, we would stay for a few months until we got on our feet and then find our own place. And I had never done that before and I was scared and we had a kind of a good thing going. And I, we ended up staying there the entire time that we lived out there. And, uh, I honestly, I'm very grateful for that because it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Um, but looking back, I mean, man, I don't know if I would have done that. So that's, that's amazing that they, they let that happen. Um, so, you know, we moved out there, kind of got acclimated with the South. It's a whole another world, man. Um, it, it's just, you know, going from... I, so we grew up in a small town in California, and it was very, like, redneck and a lot of tractors and uh, cowboys and things like that. And I always say that with an accent because that's how I feel about it. Because if you wear a cowboy hat, um, you should ride a horse everywhere. And that's, I firmly believe that. And that didn't really occur there. So I don't feel like they were real cowboys, but they thought that they were, and they acted like they were, um, very like narrow-minded thinking. And so moving to some parts of Tennessee, um, especially on the outskirts, I think that's a similar sentiment. Um, I, I don't, Obviously, I'm not. It's not a blanket statement on everyone, but it is a different culture. It's very, you know, religion based and um, very right wing. Not that there's a problem with any of that, but it's not something that I was used to. I grew up in a very, like, non-religious and mostly democratic household, uh, mostly on the left side. Um, so it was just a different world to kind of get used to that and. I was young. I'd never lived on my own. So with this girl, I kind of cared about a little bit, but not a whole lot. And, you know, she obviously needed, you know, she moved all the way across the country with me. So it's like thinking about that. Um, that's a whole nother. I could do a podcast on relationship failures, but, um, you know, we, we were welcomed in, had a place to stay, um, began applying for jobs. It was, it was tough. I didn't have a lot of experience. What I did have was wrestling training to go to, and uh, it was a, it was great. We had guys stop by. There was like Kid Cash had sat in on one of the training sessions at one point, and he was so like so awesome. He was very complimentary of of Mike and I. So flashing forward, he sat in on a training, didn't really interact with him a whole lot, but he was he was there, and. Then um, there was a show that we worked and, and we had a tag match and it was not a great one. It was with a couple of guys who were very stuck in their old Southern ways and really didn't want to give us a lot as you know we've talked about before. That's just kind of how it is. And um, they, you know, we do it our best though. And, and I ended up thinking, you know, it was, it was not a horrible match, but Kid Cash was actually watching that and he was super like complimentary. He's like, hey, like good job guys. And then he had heard us talk about the fact that we were both from California and he just instantly kind of gravitated towards us in the back and was like, Hey, you know, I used to live in California. What part do you live in? Mikey's sister lives in, you know, a suburb of LA. And he's like, Hey, I used to live like right in that area. And, uh, man, nothing but good things to say about him. Super nice, cool guy. Um, but where I was getting to before that was just like having 
people like that kind of sit in on training or take part in it was really, really cool. So we trained with LT mostly, LT Falk. And then um, there was uh, Josephus, who um, was was really big in that area at the time. He did Bruiser Brody um, type gimmick, looked exactly like him. In fact, um, the Viceland show Dark Side of the Ring, he uh, plays Bruiser Brody in the reenactment. So there's there's that. He, he really um, did, did, did a good job with that. Big dude. He would come in and train with us a little bit and show us a couple things and give us a different perspective. Um, and then we would sit and talk about gimmicks. It, it was a lot of fun more than anything, but we were also learning. I think at 18, you definitely have it in your head that you know what you're doing. And uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, looking back, maybe I would have had a little bit more of an open mind. But in my head, I was, I knew what was up. I've, I'm a lifelong fan. I don't even really need a train, but this is my way to get in. Uh, and even then I still learned some stuff. Um, but looking back, I, I wish I would have been a little more open-minded, but Hey, that's what happens when you're 18. So, um, anyway, we, you know, would do that training. And then one night, you know, I wasn't training for a really long time, but I would say I was progressing at a, a pretty quick rate. And, uh, you know, Zach had gone through training and had graduated that as well. And he was wrestling every once in a while. And it was him and him and Mike versus two gentlemen. And one of the gentlemen ended up, uh, no showing uh, as tends to happen. And we would train right before the shows. So, Hey man, I was there and you know, LT said, Hey man, do you have gear? And I sure did. Of course, uh, always had gear. <laughs> First thing I bought before training, that makes sense. And, uh, Okay, man, you're on tonight, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot, and it's kind of just off to the races from there. Um, it is it was a really really unique experience. I think it's a whole different world getting in front of people, and there was probably 12 people in the crowd that night. But man, walking through the curtain and just being so unsure of yourself and never having a real pro match in front of a crowd was terrifying and like man i'll never forget that feeling like I'm, I'm a naturally pretty confident person sometimes overconfident and i remember walking through the curtain and uh like i said it was a different world man it was a weird feeling i just kept doing this weird thing with my hands i remember and like sticking them out because i just didn't know what to do and i was trying to like i was just constantly like posing like a randy orton type pose i guess just for reference i just kept doing that throughout the whole match pretty much um i would i got i was on the apron and i remember i get tagged in just butterflies luckily it was, was mike and zach on the other side so like i was just wrestling my friends but you know, I got in the ring and the first thing I did was duck a kick and throw a fucking tornado kick, which is, uh, I, uh, for those of you who don't or who are like mostly WWE, that would be like a trouble in paradise. So just like a 360 roundhouse kick. That's the first thing I do because I did it in the backyard all the time. And frankly, I just think it looked nice. And so that's the first thing I did and then just posed and there was no psychology. I was wearing tights from E Lucha and a tank top. And uh, that footage does exist somewhere. I don't know where it is. Terrible match. Terrible, horrible match. But, man, afterwards, I was so fucking pumped, man. It was like, hey, I did it. Like, I, I'm a professional wrestler right now. Didn't get paid shit. Uh, and, and that tends to be one of the things where it's like, hey, you're paying your dues. Um, so, you know, no, you're not going to get paid. And I think to an extent, I agree with that. 
you know, while you're still training and having matches, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. It does get to a point, though, where you are going out and you're adding to the show. Doesn't mean that you're putting asses in seats, but you're certainly adding to the show and you're putting your body on the line. And even though it's something that you want to do, you should get paid. And I think a lot of promoters really take advantage of that with young with young guys. And, and I don't think that that's a secret. And, and they, they won't pay them ever. Or they'll pay them with like a hot dog. That's where you get that hot dog and a handshake thing. Um, and I will say, obviously, at USWO, I, I was not getting paid for, for a minute. But I was still training. And I was very new. And there was literally zero I was adding to the show. So... That's totally cool. Um, and, and I think I, you know, it got to a point where maybe, you know, I felt after a few months like, hey, like, I, you know, I'm reliable. I'm always here. I, I'm putting everyone over because, you know, originally because of I was I was a fat fuck. Um, I wasn't like fat, but I was definitely chubby. I looked unathletic um, and I was like young. Like I just looked I was a good like jobber I guess as you would put it. I was an enhancement guy um on shotgun Saturday night and so I was putting over all the guys all their like baby face guys and uh not that it matters because it's fucking fake so it doesn't matter whether you win or lose but um it is still like I was doing that and I was putting on I told the story I'd put on masks and wrestle unsafe guys and not really bitch about it and just take it and I felt like hey man there's dudes that are getting paid that literally add absolutely nothing to the show, to be honest. And there definitely came a point where I, I didn't appreciate it. But what am I going to do, you know? And, you know, shortly after that, we got we get slipped an envelope. And I remember that feeling really, really well. I got paid 10 bucks, And uh, it just made me feel good. Um, I think, you know, 10 bucks isn't a lot of money. But it, it just made me feel appreciated and that I was actually doing something and that I mattered. And... That was really cool. And then eventually we would get a raise and we get $15. Um, and I think, you know, it's a low level show. It drew, it drew sometimes it, it didn't draw other times. And to be fair, the Saturday shows, um, and I talked about the difference, the Friday shows were the big shows. Saturdays were where a lot of the newer guys or the guys, frankly, that just sucked, um, worked. And, um, the Saturday shows were always kind of up in the air and, you know, we were on LT, we were LT's buds. So he would book us in the main event a lot. And it was like, me and Mike against each other, you know, I've only been wrestling for a month and a half, two months, and I'm in a main event of something, and they let us have a, you know, a hardcore match, and um, it was, you know, it was pretty cool to be able to just get a little bit of exposure in that way. I was on a poster that I remember, that was pretty amazing um, to be actually on a poster and, and show my family, hey, look, I'm doing some shit. That's pretty cool. I have a very supportive family anyway, but... Um, it was really, um, a cool experience. And then, you know, from there, I, I, we talked about going into, um, getting booked other places and becoming a tag team and that kind of stuff. But that's kind of how things started for me. And, and I was thinking about that today. Um, I think like, I really have nothing but positive feelings about starting. I think once you do it for a little bit and you get exposed to some of the stuff, it's maybe not as positive and you can certainly there's certainly again um develop some some negative feelings towards it but i really got into uh while i was you know trying to 
get into shape uh, to have, you know, to look better for wrestling. It's a very aesthetic, body-focused business. So um, I definitely did my best to uh, look as good as possible. So along with, like, training and obviously getting your diet kind of under control, um, <clears throat> I also really got into um, supplements and uh, you know, not only pre-workout, but also I was very active in the, the creatine space and <clears throat> probiotics and things like that. And uh, that's something that's definitely carried over into today. So today, um, I'm a big fan of Onnit supplements. So um, I, I use, as far as like workout stuff, Shroom Tech and um, as far as just overall like micronutrients, um, I do take their the spirulina and chlorella, and I do the key minerals, and then just for cognitive stuff, I do take Alpha Brain, and occasionally New Mood, and I use their vitamin D spray. And basically, I'm just a shill for that company. Um, they are certainly not the cheapest ingredients, but they are the best, and you do get what you pay for. So, totally okay spending money on that. Recognize the importance of. Um, BCAAs and, and, and aminos in general. Um, so I, I do take, occasionally I'll take Cellucor, the alpha aminos, but I'm also a big fan of the Ghost brand. They have some some pretty good protein flavors that are just unique, like cereal milk and blueberry toaster pastry, which is like Pop-Tart. Uh, and then there are BCAAs. They have like Sour Patch Kid flavors. So I'm into that kind of stuff because it tastes good. And as far as like protein, I think uh, P Science Select protein uh, is it mixes the best. I like to make like I call it uh, like I guess frosting type of stuff. You do like almond flour or coconut flour, um, some Greek yogurt, and then that protein, and it makes like a, a frosting type consistency. Pop it on some rice cakes or something to that effect, and um, it's it's a good snack. Um, I'm actually more into supplements and that kind of stuff now than I was when I was actually wrestling. I obviously still train and, you know, I'll do the occasional, uh, jujitsu class and, and things like that. I think if you have, you know, your diet under control and your training under control, supplements do just that. They supplement your goals. So I kind of just wanted to go over my stack, I guess. So one of my favorite pay-per-views WWE brand pay-per-view slash ECW, I guess, was the first iteration of One Night Stand. 2005 was kind of like, I don't know, I was probably 13 or so, and I had access to the internet, so I had seen some ECW stuff, and of course, WWE would do throwbacks, and I was a huge rise and fall of ECW DVD and book fan, and I watched all that shit all the time, and so... Uh, I was really excited, I guess, when, when One Night Stand started. That was a really unique idea. So I kind of just wanted to go back because I've been thinking about that show lately. I don't know what made me think of it. I think, like, just, like, having road rage and wanting to, like, smash someone in the head with a fucking kendo stick <laughs> uh, probably reminded me, oh, yeah, I like that show, so... I want to throw it back to the opening match of that show. 
which was Chris Jericho versus Lance Storm. Super excited about that. Um, I, I this was pre Chris Jericho's book. Um, so I didn't really know of their, their past at this point, but a few years later, like reading a lion's tale, um, and, and reading about them coming up together and training together, it was, it's, it makes the match even cooler. So I haven't watched it in, in a long while. So I figured I would give it a watch right now. Uh, if I could press play. So Jericho does the, uh, the lion heart gimmick that he he was so famous for before wwe um lance storm already in the ring here i fast forwarded a little too far um but that's okay i don't actually know if i can have this audio i'm gonna get fucking sued turn it down a little bit uh but overall like the match was Pretty sweet, man. I was a um, really big fan, um, obviously, of Jericho. And honestly, like, even as a young kid, I really loved Lance Storm. He had a super fucking lame uh, crew cut, which I was not a fan of. So he looked, like, generic. But I still thought he was awesome. I thought, you know, I feel like I could always recognize solid talent. And Lance Storm was just that. Um, and then, uh, obviously, Jericho is just pretty dope, so... I think the crowd, like, it was so cool to see, like, an ECW setting, and the crowd's, like, super intense, and they, you know, WWE at this time was, this was before the PG era that people hate for whatever reason, but it also was kind of transitioning, like, super heavy WWE style, so, like, athletic, but but not fast-paced, really, it's almost like a southern style. And on this show, they really let dudes kind of do whatever they wanted. So, um, Lance Storm and Jericho kind of squaring off, um, traded some arm drags. Um, I, I feel like there was a lot of chain wrestling in this. It's so funny watching this back and it's not what I remembered. Like, in my brain, it was like the Mandela effect. Like, if you don't know what that is, I would Google it. It trips me out. Uh, where something that, like, as you remember it isn't reality. So, like, I think one of the most famous ones is the the Bernstein Bears. People remember it as the Bernstein with an E bear, but it's actually Bernstein with an A. And people, you know, say that it didn't used to be like that. And it's basically a glitch in the Matrix. And that's happening for me right now a little bit because I really very clearly remember Lance Storm wearing red and white. And I know he had worn that, you know, before, you know, in other shows, but I was in my memory. That's what he's wearing in this match. And now that I'm watching it again after however many years, he's actually wearing red and black. Um, Jericho looks the same. He has that fucking like Partridge family haircut, which is cool was not a fan of that look. This was right before he left the company for a couple years and focused on Fuzzy and being a rock star. And in Lance Storm had retired at this point, I'm pretty sure, or was like had left WWE for sure, and was working like in Ring of Honor. I know he wrestled Brian Danielson in Ring of Honor around this time. 
fucking sick drop kick, dude. Landstorm's drop kick and his like calf kick, so nice. So they they spilled out to the outside. Um, Landstorm takes control, throws him in, and just hits a super super nice drop kick. Wonderful slap of the leg for dramatic effect. Crowd pops. Uh, stalling suplex by Lance T. Storm. The T stands for thunder. Sometimes when you talk and you say shit like that, I, like for me, I'm like, why did I just say that? Uh, and in my head, it sounds good before I say it. And then after I say it, I sound like a huge loser. Like I should be making TikToks and uh, like uh, duetting songs with people uh, and wearing a trench coat or something. Uh, Landstorm with the rest hole. Jericho fights back. Storm cuts him off. I, I feel like some chops. I feel like this was like one of my favorite matches of that card. I know there was some awesome stuff with like Mike Awesome. Oh, Landstorm jumps to the top rope, jumps back, and Jericho catches him with a drop kick as he comes comes back off the top. Uh, that was a legitimate like reaction from me. Um <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I feel like this was one of my favorite matches, um, for whatever reason, maybe just because I'm a Jericho and Landstorm guy. Um, but I know Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka had a really, really cool match on this card. And off the top of my head, I actually don't really remember too much. I think Rey Mysterio and Psychosis had a match. Jericho hits the Enzigiri, trading waist locks now. Landstorm hits the... Or it goes for a full Nelson, roll through, roll back, crowd chanting Chris Candido. He had, man, he had like just passed away, I think, right before this. Jericho hits a Tiger Suplex. Super dope. Uh, nothing I had seen him hit in WWE before. So I remember like being excited about that. I used to get really excited about dudes doing uh, moves that they didn't traditionally do. Jericho throwing some knees. Before MMA was so popular. Jericho hits the ropes and Landstorm hits a uh, pretty neat calf kick. Listen for a pile driver. Ooh, cradle. Jericho uh, backdrop. Landstorm does an awkward, like, kind of fall to his stomach, gets up, hits him with a super kick. I think in ECW he used a super kick and a pile driver. As a finish. And I know in WWE, a super kick was his, his thing. That's how I always ended up doing super kicks. Maybe it was because of Landstorm. I always thought it's because I had really bad flexibility in my hips, but I would like do a super kick and then also kind of plant a hand on the ground. They go to the top. Jericho. Storm going for a superplex. Jericho throws him off. Jumps out with a diving elbow from the top rope to count uh yeah so i'm like my super kick i feel like i was just um i i don't know maybe just like not that flexible so i would throw the super kick but then have to like lean really far and play my hand on the ground that's kind of how lance storm does it too Ooh, lance storm rolls through with the string shooter i think is what they called it which is the worst fucking name of all time So basically that's he 
rolls through the legs and does like a rolling single leg Boston Crab. I think he called it the Canadian Maple Leaf somewhere. Jericho reverses, goes for the walls of Jericho or the Lion Tamer. Nice storm fights it off. He gets shot in to the uh, turnbuckle, feeds feeds through and, and takes a bulldog. Lion saw knees up. Oh, but he catches him. Classic Jericho spot goes into the lion tamer. And he doesn't even do a lion tamer. It goes actually into the walls of Jericho. Landstorm taps, but Don Marie in the way. Gets some interference from Just Incredible and that other guy. I can't remember his name, Jason Knight, whatever. Triangle drop kick, roll up. Oh, and then Just Incredible smashes Jericho with the cane. One, two, three. Super quick match. And now that I like look back at it, it wasn't anything special. And like it was kind of a WWE style match. Um, and then we get a, an Impact Players reunion with the pose. Pretty cool. Um, I was like Just Incredible too for some reason. I mean, not for some reason. I guess he was solid, but weird choice. Uh, yeah, so I think looking back at that match, it was a lot shorter than I thought. Around like, what was that, like seven minutes or so? And uh, kind of WWE style. I think in my memory, it, it was more uh, ECW-ish. Uh, but I think maybe just the excitement around the show and uh, that kind of thing um, just made it seem bigger than it was. It's still cool seeing them wrestle each other. I'm not sure if they've ever wrestled each other out, outside of that, to be um, fair. But... Pretty cool, nonetheless. Uh, I kind of want to do stuff like that more, where I just watch some matches that I that I dig and uh, talk about them. It gives me some more content. Um, I think it's you know professional wrestling is super weird. It got so popular uh, for a while in the '90s, and then it got you know it kind of reverted back, and I feel like it's more popular now, like than it has been, but people still don't understand. And they're like, you're like an easy target for people to make fun of you. Uh, and like, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, I mean, it's like dudes pretending to fight each other. I think the masses understand that it's, that is predetermined and scripted. Um, I don't know who, why in life people thought that it wasn't, especially like attitude era time where these motherfuckers were wearing like, like coming out like the undertaker like and like putting people on crosses and mankind with his mask and sweatpants and shit like i don't know <laughs> i don't know like who why people would think that that was like it was real people but regardless uh people realize that it's it's predetermined now and so they just don't get it and you can use the like well movies are are not real air quotes either and you enjoy those but you know there's just not really a connection there and i mean that's fine um i do wish people would probably i don't know maybe watch it and and give it a shot because i do think that there's stuff in there for everyone uh i would show people some like indie stuff first honestly just to get a feel for the athleticism and then if they leaned more towards like the storyline stuff and i think wwe makes sense it's just stigmatized um was being stupid, uh, or as YouTube says, fake and gay. 
Um, that's literally like so many YouTube comments from like Indian guys. That is the most Indian guy thing to do to put on uh, a YouTube comment and say fake and gay on a wrestling video. See those all the time. Uh, and I just, it's just one of those things, man. Like I used to kind of just not talk about it, especially when I was younger. Like in high school, I was like, no, bro, I just want to like get pussy and smoke pot and shit. And, uh, it's funny because that's just not, I don't know why you would need to like hide that. Like, it's just an interest. It's funny. And now as I'm older, like in a professional environment, I still, you know, talk about wrestling and people know that I like it and, and, and they definitely try to make fun of me, but then they just come off kind of looking more like stupid in that scenario because it's just like something that I enjoy. Um, to me, it's like making fun of somebody liking like game of Thrones or whatever. And like, I've never actually seen an episode of game of Thrones and I don't say that to be like cool or edgy or whatever. I just literally have never invested the time into it. And you know, people go crazy about that. And to me, I'm like, you're talking about fucking dragons and shit. And then like, like pro wrestling is stupid to like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. I just think it's like the popular thing to be like, Oh, that's, you know, that's stupid or that's lame or whatever. Um, but I mean, if you think about it, like pro wrestling kind of started everything like the, the MMA is so popular. And yes, I understand that it's not, well, most of the time it's not predetermined. Uh, but a lot of the business model, especially the UFC obviously has influence from WWE. Like they really got the ball rolling and I don't know. I just, I don't know. People just don't appreciate it. And that's fine. They don't have to. Uh, but you know, you don't have to try to like shit on someone else, but I just think that's how, uh, human beings are. They just like making other people feel bad because it makes them, uh, feel better about themselves. And you know, if that's what it takes to make you feel good about yourself, whatever, dude, keep watching your game of Thrones and whatever, make fun of people who watch wrestling. I don't know. This is a rant. Uh, I have, I do have opinions on, on stuff like that. And, uh, like it doesn't bug me as much, but once I start talking about it, I just, you know, I, it's a definitely a strong stance that I take. Like I definitely try to make that person feel pretty bad about themselves for trying to make fun of me. Um, they got got dog. Um, I will make them feel dumb. I'm good at that. Uh, other than that, I think that pretty much covers what I wanted to talk about this week. Um, I definitely want to get some more structure. I think we're still kind of trying things out and, and seeing what works and what doesn't and what comes naturally. I think the runtime is pretty good. Um, I don't want to do like two, three hour podcasts. I think, you know, anywhere between 40 and, you know, 45 an hour ish is probably, you know, a, a good place to land. Um, so we'll probably stick with that, that, uh, that outline, that structure until, you know, there's a reason not to, I guess. Um, other than that, guys, I think that's going to close things off for this week. I appreciate the listen. Uh, stay tuned or keep your ears tuned or something for next week. Uh, I don't know what match I'm going to choose, man. I think um, I'm going to have to go to the old memory bank and see what matches 
uh, stand out to me or, or something that I enjoy, and, and we'll talk about it. Um, other than that, thank you for listening. This has been Spandex Planet. Or what is my what do I say at the end? I don't I really have a real thing, so I'll just say it again. We all live on a planet with spandex. On uh, on a spandex planet, there's aliens, fake fighting. I don't know, dude. Thanks for listening to the show. This has been 